0: you're listening to the hockey podcast network new shows every day find us at the hockey network.com or wherever you get your podcasts from It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta, Georgia to compete for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of action by giving you a shot to land in the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you a free shot at the $1 million top prize when you download and sign up using promo code THPN. If you haven't tried DraftKings, this is the time. It's easy to play, pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off early Thursday morning, then sit back and follow the action. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at the $1 million top prize. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at the $1 million top prize only At DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello and good day, San Jose, and welcome to the Stick Hungry Podcast, your home of the San Jose Sharks on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dylan Kazer, and I'm joined in studio by Producer T. We also have Nick Floor on the line. Producer T, how you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic, Dylan. Another... Another beautiful day in
0: ladies. Another beautiful
1: last weeks in ladies. One of
0: our last weeks, our last weeks That's at why this. I
1: wanted to make sure I said Ladysmith.
0: There you go. Yeah. Give a, uh, give <laughs> ladies a shout out all the, I think there's like 8,000 people in this town. They're all, they're all going to love it. We're moving on up. We're moving to Nanaimo. That's right. All you Californians, you don't know where the hell that is, but it's a, it's an upgrade. Nick knows because uh, he has a lot. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Nick, how you doing? How's uh how are the allergies treating you? I know that Paul and I've, i know you haven't brought it up at all but i've heard from other people that the pollen's <laughs> pretty bad
2: yeah uh things have gotten a little better like i said you get used to it after the shit gets kicked after winter well california winter not real winter but uh yeah doing good you know just uh struggling with the housing market still so still doing great though <laughs> living the dream boys. Yeah. living <laughs> the dream forever renting hashtag millennial shit
0: Fuck. hey well at least you're not kyle mclaren right now because i believe he's out slugging away building someone's deck yeah um, outside what looks like a mobile home.
1: You know, some ants. I don't know. Some <laughs> ants and black widow. Yeah, ants oh, and geez. black widow spiders. Goddamn,
0: dude. I tell you. Should,
1: should have just come, come on the pod. Should just come on the pod. It's a, it's a lot easier <laughs> God,
0: here. I got a thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, boys. Let's give a shout out to our Twitter handles. You can follow myself at D-Y-L underscore T-H-P-N. You can follow the show at StickHungryPod, and you can follow the network
1: at HockeyPodNet. Producer T? You can follow myself at Producer underscore T-E-E. And Nick?
2: You can find me at Nick floor underscore and Kyle, the builder at McLaren underscore. K. (laughs) Everyone listening on the podcast is like, why is
0: there a pause? It's like, Oh, we're just waiting. Yeah. One day. (laughs) All right. Let's, uh, let's get some sharks talk. Uh, what, what do we want to start off with Nick? Well,
2: you know, we got a really, uh, We got a nice interview scheduled for you guys to listen to later on with Chris Peters of Talking Hockey Sense with Chris Peters. And he Uh,
0: did talk some sense into us. So, yeah, yeah, it was a great interview, though.
2: Really educated us uh, folk about the upcoming draft. Sharks prospects. You guys are going to really love it. Um, But, you know, right off the top, we got Christian Jaros making his Sharks debut because Mark Edward Vlasic is out with an upper body injury. So he's going to be making his Sharks debut alongside Redeem Shimmick. He's a right-handed shot, defensive defenseman. So I honestly I don't expect much. I just want him to not give up an odd man rush.
0: So well, and producer T loves this move as well because I mean you can pronounce that name right. Yeah, that's that's yeah. not the hardest on the Sharks roster <laughs> or in the Sharks system, so we're good. He's like, oh fuck, is it Jaros or Yaros? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. i
1: probably still <laughs> screw that up. Honestly,
0: not though, not this like. Sharks organization, like the names that we have yeah. in this organization are a bit ridiculous. It's like crazy. there's only a handful of easy ones. <laughs> Martin crazy. Jones. Yeah,
1: Martin Jones, Fred yeah. Burns. <laughs> <laughs> that's it.
0: <laughs> you don't like Matt Nieto? Yeah, hey, that's,
2: that's not easy.
1: bad. On paper, like that's not that easy. Well, I guess it could be that yeah, is. Yeah, that's, Long
2: Beach yeah. native Matt Nieto. You know, one word. It's all. No. <laughs> that's his full legal name, <laughs> yeah, according to Randy Hahn. I feel sure like
1: Niato or some shit. Thinking he's some like from somewhere in Asia. Nieto. <laughs> <laughs> <Nia Toh. laughs> okay.
0: um All right, let's move on to the next topic here, and we did bring it up last time on the on the podcast. But the Sharks are looking to maybe take on some cap space, weaponize that cap space that they do have, and maybe acquire a couple of picks. Again, I don't know if this is still the plan going into the trade deadline. I think it's really going to depend on the standings because, I mean, we're only a few points out of the playoffs right now uh, behind the Arizona Coyotes. So I think if we're in the mix of it, I don't know how active we're going to be at the trade deadline. What what, what do you guys think?
1: Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's going to be a really decisive week. Um, when it comes to, you know, what, what, where, where what the player picture looks like, where we're going to be after the next two, three games before the trade deadline, I think it's literally going to be kind of be that last minute as to when they're going to, you know, pull the plug or not, or, or, yeah. you know, hit the button. So.
0: And I think right now we're, I don't have the standings in front of me, but I think we're five points behind Arizona, but we have two games in hand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you do win those two games, obviously we'd only be one behind and the St. Louis blues are out of the playoffs right now, which is kind of amazing to me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I still think they're going to approach it as uh, being sellers at the deadline and trying to acquire assets uh, Doug Wilson said he's going to continue to try to play the reset, focus on the young guys. Um, We have Anaheim tonight, or sorry, as we're recording this, we have Anaheim, then L.A., L.A., Anaheim, Anaheim, and everyone's looking at that like, oh, we can make a big push. Yeah, but the rest of the schedule is not easy. We're facing the top four teams afterwards, teams that we've struggled with, Minnesota, Arizona, Vegas, and then, of course, getting slobber-knocked by fucking Colorado at every possible (laughs) chance. So while I do feel like, yeah, the Sharks will probably make up ground, the Coyotes are still winning their games. And we still have to go against the Coyotes. Like We have multiple games to play against them. I think either three or four. I think it's four total games. On top of three more games against Vegas. Three more against Minnesota. uh, Four more against Colorado. So I feel like Doug Wilson's looking at the bigger picture. And he's saying, you know what? Yeah, those four wins in a row were nice. But let's be real here. You got to look long term. So I still feel like he's going to try to take on a shitty contract. And like a three-way deal. He's going to be that bridge Oh, cool, talking three something. ways now, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Three ways on the Hockey Podcast Network. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, here's uh, the thing, too. Like, if you're still in the playoff picture going into the trade deadline, that doesn't stop you from acquiring a guy with a shitty contract and getting some assets with that because he can either play for you and, you know, you might be an overpaid guy that you can maybe – put on your fourth or third line and you still get that asset back so i I think you can have it both ways there yeah
2: yeah i mean look at the fourth line right now right so let's actually take just a quick rundown first line's fine second line my balls hurt third line's the young (laughs) guns right (laughs) so third line you got donato leonard and um dylan Gambrell. yeah so your fourth line is your misfits it's just We said whoever's there, whoever's there, who's not on the taxi squad. Oh, we have to dress him. Yeah. So it's VL Marlowe, who's just on the roster to break the record, and Sorensen. And Sorensen is the biggest replaceable piece right there. So there's one guy. So you're not going to get worse by adding a shitty contract, shitty player. You could possibly get better. It's like they're
0: at the bottom,
2: in my opinion. Because, Unless yeah, you're taking
0: on a contract like Louis Erickson, then you're just mm-hmm. uh, you're really diving there. Would you rather have Sorensen or Louis Erickson? Honestly, I'd probably rather have Sorensen yeah. uh, after watching too much of Louis Erickson. <laughs> it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah. But it is a good point, though, because... You know, I've heard that some Canadian teams are actually interested in Sorensen. So you move Sorensen. Let's say you get a fourth round pick, third round pick, something like that. You take on a bad contract and you get another second or third round pick. You replace Sorensen with that bad contract. Whoever you brought back, Mm -hmm. I I, I'd call that a win at the trade deadline for this team. Yeah. it's not like you're generating
2: offense with that line, anyways. All the offense is no. coming from the top six and Eric Carlson at this point. So, yeah. I I still as presume Doug Wilson to be the middleman in an NHL three way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Let's let's move on from the three-way talk here. Um, Martin Jones, uh, producer T, you're a big fan of Martin Jones, and he's absolutely <laughs> killing it right now. Second star of the week, 4-0 record with a goals against average of 1.71, under two goals against average, save percentage. Nine four two. I mean, this guy's an all star, absolute all star. <laughs> four uh, game, four <laughs> games. That's all you
1: need. I think Solomon's gonna have to start up the fan club again.
0: I think. I think he will. I you think know, he will.
1: I think Martin Jones heard he disbanded <laughs> the the fan club, and that was it. <laughs> Gotta get Solomon back on side.
2: Yeah, you know, I hate to be Kyle McLaren in everyone's ears right now, but it's just the Kings and the Ducks.
0: Hold hold up, Nick. Your your internet's cutting up there.
2: Oh, no! As many as many times as we've like laughed at Kyle for saying that, it's hundred percent true. Like they're both in rebuild mode, so you would expect the Sharks to beat them, and you'd expect Martin Jones to absolutely trounce those teams. So yeah, uh, I don't think we should read too much into this. Uh, like well, it's I said nice we to got see
1: we actually do what is expected though. We haven't had mm-hmm. that in a while, so
2: yeah, last year we didn't have that. So if yeah. you're talking baby steps, that's nice to see yeah. from like the Sharks and as a fan. You know, from the, our perspective, essentially, but yeah. I don't expect him to just waltz on into Vegas and post a shutout against Vegas. So if he does, I will eat my hat. So
0: it's Ooh. Martin Jones we're talking about, boys. Come on, four and oh, one seven one. Come that on.
1: A confirmed live streaming eating of your hat if they if he shuts out the, I think it was I think
0: that's exactly what that, that was. That'd be pretty awesome.
2: If he shuts out the Knights, Vegas Golden Knights. I said I will eat a portion <laughs> of the
0: hat. Did. I do that all the time. I really do. It's it's annoying. At least have the knights and the kings in different conferences. Like they're so damn close. They are. Yeah. Even in lore, like they're right there. So fuck. (laughs) All right. Um great sharks talk.
1: Great sharks talk. Let's
0: uh Oh, you know what? I think this is a great time to bring on Chris Peters actually. Great time. All right. We're gonna move on to our interview with Chris Peters from the Talking Hockey Sense podcast.
2: And joining us here on the Stick Hungry Podcast is Chris Peters from Hockey Sense. With Chris Peters, Chris, how you doing, bud?
3: How's the weather treating you? It's actually great right now. It Finally, feels like spring. It's warm. Uh, you know, it's it's when when the weather changes. Even though we're still kind of hanging out in hockey rinks, well, we, we usually would be hanging out in hockey rinks. Uh, you know that that warmer weather means it's a fun time of the year because there's you know playoff races and this year there's trade deadlines it's kind of weird but uh you know we got the frozen four and and certainly normally i'd be getting geared up for the draft but uh we got some time between now and then so uh yeah a lot lot happening but yeah it's as always it's it's really nice when the weather warms up as it has so far Nice. Well, the hockey
2: net boys, Dylan and T, they're based out of Vancouver. I'm in California, so it's nice weather. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: Va- Vancouver Island. Oh, We're not Vancouver. Me. It's ah. the same
2: Vancouver thing. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's like you say, L.A. and Northern California is the same thing. That's how it feels. I didn't to never us. see that. No, that's no, that, you're, you're <laughs> thinking of another guy, bud. Uh, Chris, where are you based out of, my man?
3: I live in Eastern Iowa near between Iowa city and Cedar Rapids, which may mean nothing to anyone. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, uh, I, I've, I, I'm originally from Chicago. My wife is originally from Iowa. So, uh, uh, at one point when she got a job out here, we moved out here. And that is kind of how I decided, uh, to, uh, figure out how the heck I was going to have a hockey career in Iowa and, um, and not, Obviously, not a playing career, but a career covering the sport, and somehow it worked out. So, yeah. So, I'm I'm in. I've been in Iowa for like ten years, or maybe eleven years now. Um, before that, I was at USA Hockey and in living in Michigan, and um, yeah. So, it's just kind of like a crazy winding path to to get to this point. But we've uh, we actually really like it here. So, I uh, wouldn't change it for anything. That's good to hear. Um, so,
2: essentially, before we get into the the prospect talk what brought about your interest in hockey originally? Like where did it stem from and how did you get into the scouting
3: side of the hockey universe? Yeah. So it's, it's been a winding path. I mean, really my passion for hockey starts at the, as a kid, um, my dad was at hockey and um, you know, we, I grew up in Chicago and so obviously the Blackhawks were a big deal. Um, especially in the, you know, I grew up in the eighties and nineties and, at that point, the Blackhawks were actually pretty good, and then, you know, a few you know, about the the two thousands when I was a little older, uh, they were not so good, um, and 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 really not good. Uh, so that was that was tough. But, but yeah, I mean, I basically, you know, I I played a little bit, not well. Uh, you know, I played youth hockey and played up in until about my junior year of high school, and then I was just like, ah, I'm done with that. So, uh, but yeah, my passion for the game really never went away. Um, so. What happened then is, you know, I went to Iowa State University, um, worked for the men's hockey team, which was an ACHA team doing, I, I was doing filming games on VHS cameras uh, for the coaches to break down. And now we have all this great editing software and we can watch shift by shift stuff. And back then we were literally I was about to say, Chris, I was about to say, don't age yourself now with the VHS yeah, well, <laughs> I, it wasn't that I, it's, I'm really not aging myself that much because, the only reason it was on VHS is because uh, those were the only cameras that I could get from the from rent from like the, the school for free. Okay, uh, yeah. So that, you know, so basically um, we were we were we were at the mercy of what was available to us. And eventually we did digitize my second year. That was my big project was like, hey, let's go to digital cameras. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so we were able to do that. But, yeah, I, I, I had a lot of fun. Um, with that team for two years and then, uh, managed to get really lucky, uh, to get a career started in in hockey by getting the Brian Fishman internship at USA hockey, which is, was in their PR department. And I was really just looking for anything on the team side to stay involved in sports after my experience at Iowa state. And, um, luckily just because I did everything at Iowa state, everything from, you know, marketing PR play by play broadcasting. I hosted a TV show on the student cable access channel, um, you know, for, uh, I just would do anything I could. And so that kind of helped kind of put me on the map for USA hockey and said, Hey, if you can do all that stuff, you can probably do the stuff that we need you to do here. Um, and so, yeah, I started there. Then I worked at the national team development program for two years after my internship. And that's really where the whole, you know, scouting slash prospect interest comes in because I was at the NTDP, which is where most of the top American players play. Um, and so, you know, I was I was when I was there, we had the ninety one the nineties, ninety ones, or nine ninety ones, ninety twos, and ninety threes. So like Cam Fowler was there. Um Matt Nieto was there when I was uh, was there. So for Sharks fans, shout out Matt Nieto. Um, I think I wrote the first story about Matt in, in USA hockey magazine. Um, you know, and then there was uh uh you know Jack Campbell. I, I had I had a lot of great players that were there while I was there. And, um, uh, that was really where I got my interest in, in, in kind of scouting and, and the coaches were great. So I had Ron Ralston, John Hines. Um, those were the the head coaches my first year there. And they were really cool to just let me sit in and watch video with them. Like as they're breaking down the game film and I'm getting to find out what coaches like and what, what they don't like. And, um, you know, and then I, Tim Taylor was our one of our assistant coaches, and he he was the '94 U.S. Olympic coach and coached at Yale for many years, and and eventually became kind of USA Hockey's head scout for like the World Juniors. So he would talk with me, and we'd talk shop, and and just learning from people like that was was incredible. I mean, you know, John Hines is in the NHL. Ron Ralston was in the NHL for a while. He's at Providence now. Um, you know, Chad Cassidy, who was, was the head coach in, with Rochester Americans, and he was one of our, our assistant coaches. And John Robleski's now at the Ontario Reign. He was one of our, our young assistant coaches. Um, you know, and, and I got to learn from those people, and they were so nice to me. And that's kind of where the passion just kind of grew and grew and grew, and you watch these players develop, and you see them improve, and then you see them get drafted. Um, and you see guys like Justin Falk, who went in the second round, and was, con- you know, I think he was the fourth or fifth defenseman from his own team drafted, and he's had the longest career of any of them. So you just learn stuff like that, like how does this work, you know how to how how do how does that how does that happen? So um, that is my very very long winded way of saying uh, a lot of things contributed to this, but um, it, yeah, I mean, I just I love the game, and I love I love the way that. Uh, Things have gone for me because I'm doing exactly what I want to do and, and having a lot of fun with it.
0: Uh, so, Chris, you actually started up your own podcast recently, uh, yes. Talking Hockey Sense. Can you give us a quick
3: breakdown of what that show is all about? Sure. Yeah. So Talking Hockey Sense is really the offshoot of, of Hockey Sense, which is my website with uh, uh, which is essentially how I'm making my living now with a subscription based website called Hockey Sense. And that's uh, HockeySense.Substack.com. Um, and so I knew when I was gonna go independent after being at ESPN for three years um, I was I was like, I need to do all the things that I couldn't do while I was at ESPN and one of those things was a podcast. Um, you know I was working with Greg and Emily Greg, Greg Washinsky and Emily Kaplan and they had their podcast. They were the two lead writers and I was I, I would guest host sometimes and come sometimes come on as a guest, but never got to do my own. So, uh, talking hockey senses is, is kind of it, it covers a lot of different bases. Um, you know, I've I've been lucky enough to have a lot of great guests, uh, so it's always there's always one get at least one guest per podcast, and we talk about some of the events that are going on that are that are current. Like I had Bob McKenzie on my first podcast, we talked a lot about this draft year and the different things that um, you know we thought could happen, and and whether or not we're going to get an OHL season and all those things, and then. I recently had Brad Schlossman, who's who's a beat writer for the University of North Dakota, um, and he covers that team. And we talked about all the prospects that were on that team, but also their five overtime loss to Minnesota Duluth and and all these other things that um, have been going on. But then we also talked to those people about their careers and the stories that they have. And and I think that that helps anybody that has an interest in hockey wonders how you can get into it. And I think a lot of those people have offered some insights on in how to get into media, how to get into uh, PR. You know, I have an episode dropping this week that will have uh, Nate Ewell, who used to be Ovi's handler essentially for the Capitals. He was he was in media relations there, but now he works for a company called College Hockey Inc. So we we were able to actually preview the Men's Frozen Four, but then get in this cool discussion about a very unique career in hockey. So uh, it covers a lot of bases. Obviously, the the anchor content for me, is always going to be prospect-driven. So there will be a lot more about the draft coming up next. There will be a lot more about um, different kind of things. I'm going to have more hockey-specific people, not just media, but coaches and players as well as we get on. I think you know, I'm really going to try to dig into that in the offseason as well where we get some people on uh, from inside the game as well. But, yeah, it's it's, it's an all-encompassing thing uh, that I'm just having way too much fun with right now. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome um you mentioned that that
2: five ot game yeah. between north dakota and minnesota duluth so i was a little under the weather while that game was going on i talked about it in the last podcast and i kind of fell asleep and then woke up and i thought they were re-airing the game but i saw that it was like three or four ot and i was like this is going insane <laughs> and i would actually check twitter and i saw you were still live tweeting during the game so like how much coffee did it take for you to stay awake for that game? I know it was exciting, especially when they called back the Minnesota Duluth goal for the offsides. And like, Oh my God, we're going through this shit again. And then there was cramps with goaltending.
3: tending. Like yep. what went through your mind throughout that whole game? My, I, I, well, mostly once we got to like the third overtime, I was like, could somebody please just end this? Like <laughs> anybody, anybody, could you just, could you just get it over with? And, I was, I was literally yelling shoot at the TV screen and I, for both teams. I was just like, just shoot. Just shoot it. And I was like, this is, this is wrong. What I'm doing is wrong. It's everything I, I hated a hockey game. But I'm doing it because I just desperately wanted to go to sleep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was kind of fun. It, it just got more and more absurd as the game went on. And as you mentioned, there was a disallowed goal for an offside that was – it was offside. I mean, it was the right call. But, you know, it's it just again, the offside challenge rears its ugly head in college hockey just as it does in the NHL. And now, you know, they don't, they don't actually, you know, unlike the NHL, they don't have the rule about if your foot's in the air, you're still onside. So that's kind of, you know, that that's what happened there. We also had an instance where North Dakota, one of the players took a shot, it bounced off the goalies chest protector, up and over and just on top of the net. <laughs> which was one of the craziest plays. That was actually Jasper Weatherby. So sh- shout out to the Sharks there for uh, a good prospect there. But yeah, I mean, like he is uh, – he. yeah, that was crazy. And then finally the game ends on a guy that um, – uh, Luke Millamock who did not play a shift until the fourth overtime. So this kid was sitting there was for like five hours, literally like five hours, comes off and scores the second goal of the season and ends the longest game in NCAA tournament history. So I I managed to stay awake because it was the craziest thing that I've ever seen. Um, there have been some really incredibly long overtime games in college hockey and conference tournaments before as well. I remember one a few years ago that involved Notre Dame and I think UMass at the time, and that one went like a little bit longer even. So yeah, it was, you know, you never know what you're going to expect uh, and never know what to expect in college hockey, but certainly uh, that, that group gave us a a lot to enjoy.
0: The worst part about those long overtimes is by the third or the fourth overtime, you can tell everyone is just gassed Mm. and you're watching it. You're like, "I, I don't know how these guys are going to
3: score. These guys are way too tired. Right. Exactly. And that's why, you know, it, it helps to have a guy that was sitting there for five hours, I guess, you know, but, <laughs> yeah, totally. but yeah, but, and you're right. The other thing that you have to consider is, you know, when we watch a long overtime game in the NHL, we're watching peak, the peak of, of athleticism. And these, these players have trained and, and, and their bodies are in a different level of conditioning of, of college players. Certainly college players aren't that far away. From the NHL, but when you get down to like that third overtime, you're like, wow, these guys look like they're skating with cinder blocks on their feet. What's gonna happen? And then, you know, every once in a while you'd see a flash of a guy that just got that burst of energy and got a little bit of adrenaline going and, and it and it made it more exciting. But yeah, I mean, I was worried that we were gonna have, you know, have guys get hurt. And as you mentioned, one of the goaltenders, uh, Zach Stayskow had to leave the game because he was cramping up. And you know, he'd made he had been in net for you know, 54 saves or something like that. And then the, the other guy came in and made six saves and got the win. So, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. Another day in the office.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Let's, uh, let's talk some San Jose Sharks. I want to know from you, since you're the prospect guy, how would you uh, grade the prospects on the San Jose Sharks? I want to include our guys in the NHL and in the juniors. So the guys in the NHL, like Konejov and Leonard, um, and then some of our other guys in the junior ranks, like Merkley and Weisblatt.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. the um, The shark system is one that never it never stays very full for very long because it seems like they're they're in various stages where guys are ready and they just they, they end up moving up. And I think you know it's it's certainly not one of those systems where you say, "Wow, there is just talent everywhere." There's so much, but but there's a lot of I think it's grown a lot in the last couple of years. And, and, and so now I think we're seeing a deepening prospect pool for one that really was kind of depleted for years of low first round draft picks or guys that just happened to move up and, and graduate right away. Um, you know, I think that, you know, Knaizhov and, and, um uh, uh, uh um, John Leonard in particular, uh, I was the guy that I wanted to talk about. You know, I, I obviously watched him a lot last year, and I was like, whoa, this guy took a humongous step. And then you see what he's able to do, and he, he comes into the NHL ready. Um, I think you're going to see that with a lot of, of, of other guys where they you, they have the luxury of letting those guys kind of develop wherever they are. Um, you know, I think the Sharks in the last few years have taken bigger swings on highly skilled players. Um, you know, like they took, the, they took the shot with with Ryan Merkley. Um, which, you know, incredible with the puck on his stick. A lot of maturity issues in junior, a lot of other things, and, and that's something that's going to have to continue to be sorted out at the professional level. Um, and I haven't had a chance to watch the Barracuda as much this year yet. I'm still, once I get through the college hockey stuff and once I get my draft rankings out, that's when I'm going to start going back and looking at more of the AHL guys as well. Um, but I think that, you know, Merkley has a base of talent where you're like, hey, this is, it, you know, I understand why they took the risk. I still think there's a lot there that that needs to be figured out. But then, you know, it's it's obviously I I don't think that you're looking at this prospect pool and saying, well, Ryan Merkley's all they have because it's not the case. I mean, you you look at obviously getting Weisblatt, getting um getting Thomas Bordalo in the second round is, could could end up being one of the real coups of that draft and. Uh, in the last draft because I think Bordelot, after watching him so much with Michigan this year, as I was watching their draft prospects with uh, you know, three guys that could potentially be in the, the top 10, Bordelot, every time, every single game, did something that made me, you know, sit up a little straighter and just be like, whoa, hey, um, and and he did that to a point last year, but he did it much more this year, so I was really impressed with him. Um, you know, the guy that they just signed to, Scott Reedy, I think is a guy that you let that. It's a great example of just letting guys develop, get there, get there when they're ready. I think he's much more ready to kind of play a, a lower lineup kind of position for them, and it at the NHL level. He was a top top line player in college. I think he's going to fall down the lineup a little bit more. He's got good size, strength, good good work ethic, really good speed, good shot. So all those types of things. Same thing with Jasper Weatherby, who's going back to to, to North Dakota. So you've got you've got prospects in college, you've got prospects with the Barracuda you've got guys all over obviously Jonathan Dol- Dolan is still floating out there in the in the you know we're like is he ever gonna is it ever gonna happen for him in North America i honestly don't know certainly we look at what he's done in the all spenskin and you say holy smokes how is this how is this real at times uh, but he needs to take that step you know it, it, with all due respect to the all spenskin it's quite a long way from the NHL um, and he's a player that has the skill it just has to come together for him so that's again and and i think the other thing that's really nice is that they have players at all levels i think you know joseph coroner is interesting to me um you know i think that there's a lot of of their their goaltending i i mean i think it needs to improve they don't really have like a blue chip goaltending prospect but i think you got guys at every position that you can feel pretty good about and you know i know i just kind of just threw a bunch of names out there but I, I really do think that uh, this is uh, this is a prospect pool that has greatly improved in the last two years and one that I think will continue to get better just because of the way that they have have kind of structured their their drafts and and they're not afraid to take risks. Yeah we've uh, we
2: noticed that they've been kind of swinging like you said for the fences even with the Aussie Weisblatt pick this last year it was a, a bit of a surprise to most people when they decided to take him where they did at the end of the first, as well as Merkley. But uh, you mentioned Bortolo, Thomas Bortolo, He's I watched him particularly close, mainly because he was one of the few prospects that was playing at a higher competitive level. Right. Can we just touch a little bit on how unlucky this year has been for Thomas Bortolo? <laughs> he snubbed from World Junior Championships due to the false positive COVID test from his roommate. Had yep. a great year at Michigan, like you said. And then when they go to compete in the NCAA tournament, they get DQ'd to another COVID protocol situation. Now, chalk it up however you want to. It's an incredibly unlucky year for them. But do you think missing out on those opportunities, you know, World Juniors, you're talking about a lot of competition, good experience for a young kid developing. As well as the NCAA tournament, do you think that could possibly hinder his development moving forward? Or is this just another like stepping stone he's gonna have to have to get over essentially?
3: Yeah, I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna affect him really at all. Um certainly he still has another opportunity to play at the world juniors next year. Um that is he he will be age eligible and I'm you know certain that he would be in the mix and you know probably a favorite to be on the team and 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 play a substantial role on that team, assuming that this year is as is normal, you know, compared or this next year is normal compared to this year. Um, you know, but I I I think it does hurt to miss the postseason. They did play in the Big Ten tournament, which is a single elimination situation. So, you know, like there are some high stakes games there. Ended up, you know, losing in the championship game to uh or in the semifinal to uh to Minnesota, um, which was you know two two really good teams there. Um, but, yeah, but I think for Bortolo, the most important thing for him is just to continue to get stronger. You know, I mean, he played 24 games this season, which is a lot more than a lot of other players have been able to play at this point. Um, he's in a good place for pro development. He's around elite players at Michigan. That's the other important thing is when you go to college, you don't necessarily know how many of the guys around you are going to be high, high-end players at Michigan. You know, he was playing with um, – uh, he, he was playing with uh, why well, can't I think of it. it was a Brendan Brisson, you know, and 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 that was that's a first round draft pick that he's playing with. A guy that you know, I think if you did a redraft right now, you might take Thomas Bordelot ahead of uh, Brendan Brisson at this point. Um, so Spicy. I think that you know, <laughs> Bordelot is is one of those guys that is is gonna need he's exciting. He needs more time to just get, you know, to get stronger and to have a little bit more of a um, – just develop more well-rounded game. I think his offensive tools are, are outstanding. His, his, um, his vision is is really something. I mean, his ability to make plays and, and find, find open ice is, is truly impressive. So um, he's one of those guys that I think you just let him sit in college for a year, maybe another another year after that even just to let him, you want him to arrive ready and spend less time in the AHL. And I think that he's one of those guys, if you give him that two, three years of college hockey, you know, it could very much be like a John Leonard where he comes right in and and essentially is is ready to play. Um, So I I think that he's a real interesting guy. And yeah, I think it is unfortunate that he missed the World Juniors. He would have been on that team. You know, they still ended up winning gold without him. Um, But yeah, losing him and Johnny Beecher, basically right before the tournament was a real kick to the gut. And then basically they all, they were in Fargo for the tournament and then they basically unloaded their gear, tested loaded their gear. They practiced, they even practiced in Fargo. Then they loaded their gear on the bus and they went home because basically they, you know, they got shut down the day, the morning they were supposed to play. So, um, yeah, really tough one for him, but I think he's a really exciting prospect and one that uh, what Sharks fans are going to really enjoy and definitely should watch next season uh, when he, when we expect him to return to the University of Michigan.
1: Uh, you know, Chris, you mentioned that under normal circumstances, you might have been already kind of gearing up to the draft a little bit more. And that kind of comes to the point of this this draft really is going to be a bit of a crapshoot in the sense that some prospects didn't even get to play a full season. I know that there's a bit of a consensus coming out regarding you know where some picks are going to go. Do you agree with these early consensuses, And what are your views coming into this uh, this crazy draft?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, it is crazy. The, the The thing is, is you know, we we got a lot of season to look at for for guys that are really under the strongest consideration for number one overall, and I don't think it helped us figure it out any more about who who really it should be i mean i think the general consensus right now at least among the scouts that i've talked to and i'm and i will be talking to a lot more of them in the next couple of days um is you know owen power from the university of michigan six foot five defenseman is largely considered but not not certainly not unanimously considered the number one prospect for this draft there are others that think maybe it's Luke Hughes from the National Team Development Program, Jack and Quinn's younger brother, uh, that he could be number one. Some people think it's Maddie Beneers at Michigan. Some people think it's Dylan Gunther from uh, the Edmonton Royal Kings. I mean, that's the kind of thing that we're dealing with here. I mean, I think there are even people that that would say maybe it's William Eklund from uh, from Jew Gardens. So there, <laughs> it, it's wild that I've never I've never covered a draft where there was this much. um, uncertainty and then obviously we have this weird season where most most everybody you know they've had to do mostly video work um you know crossover scouts they're not getting to as many games in outside of their own region um you know nobody's seeing what's happening in europe live outside of their area scouts that are already there um you know so we've got some really important events coming up With uh, the world under 18 championship, which I think is suddenly the most important and will be the most scouted event in North America, like ever, (laughs) because it's, it's (laughs) going to be in Texas and it's going to be Sweden and Canada and U S and Finland and Russia. And so now finally, a lot of those European players are coming here to North America so general managers and head scouts and crossover scouts are going to be able to see these players that they've been getting reports on from their area scouts. So that's going to be really important. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I, I agree mostly that that I think based on what I've seen this season, for me the top pick comes down to either Owen Power or Matty Beneers, both at the University of Michigan. Beneers is a, is a do-everything center. He's not your prototypical highly skilled you know he's not Connor mcdavid austin matthews jack Eichel type he's more of a uh jonathan Taves, patrice bergeron type where you know and those guys in their draft seasons don't end up going at number one or in bergeron's case in the first round you know so it's like all these different things come into play he's not your traditional number one but i think he impacts the game as much or more than any forward in this draft based on his total complement of skills um also I think that you know, with power, he's such a rare commodity. Being a six foot five defenseman that skates as smoothly as he does, moves the puck well, gets pucks up ice. I think he steadily improved throughout the season as well. He got better defensively, uh, made better puck decisions. I think everything kind of rounded out. His offensive game improved over time. Um, those are two guys that I think are, are really the front runners for number one for me at least. And um, when I do finally release my my draft rankings, I mean, I, I think it's more likely than not. It'll start with power there. I don't necessarily know if I'll finish with them there in the summer when I release my final draft rankings, but I think based on the whole body of work and the fact that there really isn't much consensus, nor is there really any clear guy for me that I've evaluated that I think is so far above everybody else in that pack of players that, that I think it'll ultimately be uh, Owen power or Maddie Veneers. I mean, tune in to find out We'll we'll see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it might make make my next question a little tough, but you know, do you think there's a sleeper pick that you see maybe going out of the outside of say the top fifteen that to keep an eye on?
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I think in any year, there's always there are always going to be those guys that that sneak in somewhere that you know there's there's not as much of a, a consensus on and, and guys that you know last year for me that guy was was like Lucas Reichel. There was a lot of places didn't nec- necessarily have him in in the, the first round, even uh, the Blackhawks took him 17th. And that's exactly where I had him to was 17th on my board. And, and, you know, I think that guys like that have high value. So it, usually in those instances, I'm looking for players with higher skill levels. And, um, you know, so for me, I think one of those guys very well could be Cole Sillinger, who's currently playing for the Sioux Falls Stampede. Some people have him like as a top 15 guy, a lot of NHL people I've talked to are are not as necessarily certain that he's a top 15 pick, but really brilliant scorer, deadly release on his shot, you know, his skating does need to improve a little bit and he's not the biggest guy, so you always worry a little bit about when that happens, but he has such an elite shooting tool and then also really great playmaking skills. I think that he's the kind of guy that has the skill set where he could drop a little bit further than he should and then then all of a sudden you get a high value pick out of a guy like him. So I think like guys like that, Cole Sillinger, maybe Nikita Chibrikov, if, uh, if there is a, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, he's one of those Russian guys where you're just like, I don't know, maybe, maybe yes. I think this year, it's going to be really interesting to see how teams value, um, you know, the, the Russian players, that most of them have played full seasons. They've gotten in, either in their junior league or in the KHL, they've played a full year. So they have the most complete body of work. So it'll be interesting to see if that helped or hindered them. Um, but guys like that where there's a high skill level, but there might be one or two things that are, don't, don't quite work right, um, like maybe it's the skating or maybe there's just you know something like that. It's usually the skating that, that forces a guy to drop. But, um, yeah, I'd say that Sillinger and Chibrikov are two of those guys that I'd look for in that middle tier that uh, could jump up and, and, and bring value. So moving kind of our attention over to the Sharks,
2: right now they're flirting with disaster because they feel like as players, they want to make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. but where they're at how we feel on this podcast kind of unanimously is it would be better off if they didn't make the playoffs to, you know, get themselves a better draft pick because much like DW said, they're in reset mode. Essentially they're, they're focusing on the younger players moving forward. We talked a little bit earlier about the Sharks, kind of swinging for the fences the last couple of drafts and you touched on yourself the Sharks don't have a blue chip goaltending prospect so this all seems to be the perfect storm for kind of what I want to talk about next is what are the Sharks biggest needs that could be addressed let's just say in the first round Mm -hmm. and what would fit well
3: specifically with them and why is it Jesper (laughs) Wallstead Yeah, well, I mean, certainly he's he's the guy that um, is really the anointed one in terms of the goaltending prospects this year. I think there are actually two potential goalies that could go in the first round this year. Um, Wallstop stop being one of them, and then the other being Sebastian Kasa, who is the goaltender for the Edmonton Oil Kings. And I think like so that's that's an interesting situation because you. You know, Casa's numbers in the early goings in a very small sample this year are really incredible. I'm just gonna pull them up here while we're talking because I think it's you know, to see that to have that other option in the event that say they do make the playoffs, you know, Casa is the kind of guy that could potentially slip down. He's a big goalie. You know, he's he's uh he's let's see, six foot six, two hundred and twelve pounds, you know. He is ten and zero right now in eleven appearances, nine forty two save percentage in the WHL. Had a nine twenty one last year, you know. So that's the kind of guy where you could say, "Hey, maybe if we do make it." If you don't, I do think that Walstad's more of a lottery type pick. Um, I don't know. There, there are enough things. I've, I you, you're catching me right after I've watched a ton of Walstad video. Um Uh, because i've I've been working on my draft rankings and i i as i continued to watch you know just i came into it just fully enamored with the skill set and the technique and all these other things and then when you watch enough video of players and this happens to everybody so maybe i'm just nitpicking but as you watch more video of players you're like you start to poke holes in them and, and Wallstead was a guy where I was like, wow, the more video I watch, the less I like him. Um, you know, not not I I shouldn't say that. Like, I still think he's a, a top tier goalie prospect. I think he's got a potential to be a number one. I think the things that he has to do better are correctable. I don't think he's an explosive post to post as some of the other guys that, that I've seen. I think sometimes he gets a little bit lost. I, I have some concerns about his hockey sense as well. Um, just in terms of the decisions that he makes when he is handling the puck or um, his pre-shot reads are a little bit, you know, sometimes he doesn't get all the way to where he needs to be, um, loses his angle a little more than, I've, than I realized that he, after, again, this is watching video and being able to see all the warts, um, you know, that you might not even see in a live game. So I would say if you end up in the lottery se- section of the draft, that's such a hugely valuable pick i think there might be better options uh, at both forward and defense and i do think that there are needs on defense uh as, you know th- they've certainly been able to fill some of those holes and you know i, I love the way that mario ferraro has turned out i love the way that some of those guys have really um, stepped into those roles but you know can you if you're in the lottery there's a good chance you can you can land an impact defenseman in this in this situation uh, it, a guy that can play you know, good two way hockey. And, and I agree with you guys. I think that they are in a precarious place because I, I would not want, you know, if I'm a Sharks fan, if I, if I'm looking at the long-term health of the team, I want to have the best possible pick. Now I, you know, it's too early to say what next year's draft is going to look like. Cause we haven't seen a lot of the guys that have played um, this year, but I mean, there's certainly a lot of excitement about next year's draft with some of the guys that are going to be available at the top, but you know, I don't think the Sharks, Fully intend to be a, a lottery, you know, a, a in the lottery next year too. Maybe they, maybe they will be, but, but, yeah. So I'd say that you know, if you if you do make the playoffs and you're comfortable with where Casa is in terms of where your pick is, I think that he actually could end up being a better value pick than Wallstead, even um, if all goes as goes as planned. You just look at what he's done so far this year. Um, I think he has all the tools to be a a top tier goaltender as well. So if you have one of those two and that's, and you can plug that hole and you're fairly confident that either one of them could be the number one, then, you know, I think you're really happy if you walk out, walk out of the draft with either of them. Awesome. It's good to hear. So we're throwing away Jesper set
2: Just just <laughs> can it. He sucks. Apparently, no, yeah, <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, you know, thanks again for all your time, Chris. We really appreciate you hopping on, um, you know, for the next couple of minutes or so. The, the floor is all yours. Pump whatever content you have coming out. Let the fans know where to find you on all the social media and where to find all your work.
3: Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, guys. It's been a pleasure. And um, yeah, if you want to check out some of the stuff that, I, that I've got going on, hockey sense.substack.com is the website where most of my written work is going to be. We will have uh, the 2021 spring draft rankings. So the second to last before I update again at the end, towards the, the end of the draft, um, a good chance to look at kind of where the draft class stands um, talking hockey sense podcast. We've got a men's frozen Four preview this week. Um, and, and that, just covers so many different elements of the game as well. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to do. So you can get that pretty much wherever you get podcasts. Um, and then also I, I'm on Twitter at Chris M Peters. Uh, I will be at the Frozen Four. I'm leaving tomorrow. So I'm, I'm excited to be at a thing, which you know <laughs> I have not done in over a year. Um, so that's going to be great. And uh, I'll be doing on-site coverage there for Hockey Sense and then also, I do um, betting advice on betway.com as well. So, uh, if you are into making wagers, fade my picks. So, that's my, <laughs> that's my best advice I can give
2: you. Awesome. But, uh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. Uh, have a great rest of your day. I hope that the spring weather is beautiful out there in Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Great to be
3: with you.
0: Big shout-out to Chris Peters for jumping on the podcast. A much smarter man than all three of us combined, combined uh, when it co- comes to uh, draft talk and prospects and probably life in general, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. Yeah, he's got greater hockey sense, for sure. He really does. He really does. Um, boys, this is the new game show that huh. is sweeping across the nation. It's called Tea Time with Producer T. And you know what?
1: We even got a clip this time.
0: We even got a clip, and we're going to get right into it. And welcome to f***ing tea time. With producer T. Alright boys, out of 10, how would you rate that clip?
1: I'm going to have to give it a solid 9.5.
0: 9.5, Nick? That's a fucking tenner in my
2: book, that's buddy.
1: A, I'm, that's what I'm talking about, that's a tenor go, in my book. You can go 10, because then if you do a better clip. There is no I'm... better
0: clip. There is no better clip, that's <laughs> it, that's it. Right. That's, that's the tea time, baby. Alright, let's, uh, let's get right into it tea time and this has basically been forced upon us by isha jerome of the soda pod no, like mean, we either. we love it we love it um so it's yeah it's I, I like it though this is a new segment popping out of nowhere <laughs> and it's uh involving producer T, so even better um so let's get into it here are the questions from isha jerome first question is a group of squids called a squad
1: yes squid squad squid Call squad you. hell yeah
0: or is it the squad squid
1: Squads of squid.
0: Squads of squid. There we go. <laughs> Sounds Squads like of squid. a band, dude. dude honestly, I'm band a name t Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Next question. If Apple made a car, would it have windows?
1: Yes. I mean, I totally Like, I get the. Windows 10? Yeah, Windows. Well, they've got 10 Windows. Windows, 10. <laughs> windows Vista. <laughs> I can also kind of see Apple being that car if they did make cars just no Windows at all. Like yeah. literally, it's just all yeah. like
0: TVs around the whole thing with cameras pointing. out. You
1: don't out. get to actually see outside. You know, it's just a TV monitor.
0: <laughs> Zero latency. <laughs> it's like, but what if there's something there that's not there? Yeah, yeah. You lose, you lose like GPS connection. The car just, all the screens just shut off, and you're. Just Just fucked. You open
1: the door, you're in the middle of absolutely nowhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Next question. If you're waiting for the waiter, does that not make you the waiter?
1: Yes. It does in fact make you the waiter.
0: So is there two waiters in this situation? Yeah,
1: though? there's the wait E and the waiter. The wait T and the waiter. This guy's coming out with the big questions. With the big <laughs> answer, you start then
0: waiting on
2: other tables while you're waiting for your waiter? Ooh.
1: Well, no, because then once you start serving other people, you're no longer waiting, which makes you no longer a waiter. Does the waiter now have to tip you for being a waiter? oh, oh no, that's, oh, the, big, that's the big money ticket yeah, that's takes the 15
0: percent question right <laughs> next there next time folks. i go
1: to a restaurant i'll be like you know what actually i think you should tip me because <laughs> i was waiting that'll go down well, all right <laughs> next question why is bacon cooked yet cookies are baked uh this is a great question i have no idea but I think yeah you ever cause...
0: you ever got baked from bacon <laughs> hey
1: no, <laughs> oh, I have from cookies though. Exactly, that's uh, what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think it's just because, like, like cakes and cookies and stuff, you'd use convection bake. You know, you know. Yeah. If you're cooking bacon, you don't. I think you maybe roast it. You know, put it on roast. Goes con- in the oven, my man. Yeah, no, I know I yeah. know, if you want to get on technicalities, you know, well, I mean and,
0: and you can oven. cook
1: bacon on a on a pan on the stovetop, exactly. right?
0: You are gonna make a cookie that way? That'd be fucked up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you bake you bake sweet kind of like breads and biscuits and yeah. cookies and <laughs> biscuits. Yeah. All
0: right. So uh last last question here. This has been a great tea time, by the way. <laughs> I think it's uh, been the best Last question. Out. What do you call a trail BC resident with two splits? Now keep in mind, people, that the trail smoke eaters is the hockey team the bchl team in trail
1: i honestly i think this should be on their logos is it double jointed Oh, double jointed there we go
0: there we go hey
1: area hordes everywhere
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love it Well, wow, that that's uh that's quite a way to end yeah. off a podcast. That was, yeah, that was I that love was, an ending, boys. That was a good one. We were considering actually nixing this segment, but after we you know we <laughs> saw how uh, pumped you were, we're just going to keep it going. We're going to keep it going here, and we got a new clip, so we have to. Like, yeah, but I'm not going to make this clip for a one time use, boys. <laughs> this is this is here to stay. Deserves
1: more than one time.
0: It has to at least go as long as Nick will try it. Oh God! Yeah. Yes. So basically, T, what I'm trying to say is. We need to see you puke before we can end this segment. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: All right, boys, anything else we want to talk about before we jump out of here?
1: I think that was the perfect ending.
0: I think that was the perfect ending. Big shout out to Chris Peters uh, for jumping on this podcast. Uh, big shout out to Kyle McLaren. I hope that deck is going well. Um, I, I don't know about the guy's carpentry skills. Yeah. I mean, played you know 10 or so years in the NHL, comes out, starts building decks. Might look a little crooked. <laughs> he's like i'm laying the wood boys <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> we're like kyle it's not o'clock. he's like i know um anyways boys let's give a shout out to our twitter handles you can follow myself at dyl underscore thpn you can follow the show at stick hungry pod you can follow the network the hockey podcast network at hockey pod net producer t at producer underscore tee and nick you can find me at my balls here i'm kidding at nick floor underscore you should really call a doctor about that nick
2: <laughs> hey we're scoring so fuck
0: it <laughs> there we, go. There we hey, go hey when that line doesn't score do they then have blue balls <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely <laughs> they do all right folks this has been uh, this has been a hell of, an hell of an episode hell of an episode we will catch you on the live stream on sunday